Hi, welcome to What the Hell Happened and this very special December bonus episode. I am here today with the animated Mr. Lockwood. <laughs> Hello, Esther. That was pretty animated. <laughs> oh, you like that one? It's only funny because I'm not yet animated. Yeah, we're recording. I need reanimated. We're recording in the morning. Yeah. Uh, for this episode, which we don't normally do, so there is giant mugs of coffee sitting yeah. around. Morning on my day off. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's good. I'm glad, but you know, it takes me longer to wake up on that day. Right. That's my slow wake up day. Right. So you're not animated. That's what you're yeah. telling me. Full of excitement. I'm animating Life. slowly. Yeah, we were going over some conspiracy crap today that was getting me a little animated. <laughs> yeah, he was laying in bed reading uh, some fringe conspiracy stuff uh, just to amp him up for this one. Well, that's just what I do in the morning. <laughs> Read garbage. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Well, uh, Thanksgiving just passed. We had a pretty good Thanksgiving. It was good, yeah. Yeah, it was I hope nice. all our listeners, Thanksgiving, those who do the Thanksgiving thing. Mm-hmm. I hope that it was better than last year, at least, like ours was, but barely. Right. But, so whether you yeah. attended a Thanksgiving or hosted a Thanksgiving, we hope you had a good one. I mean, barely by turnout numbers. <laughs> right. But we still dub- fun. It was We nice. doubled our numbers yeah, this we year. We went from two to four. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so. When before pandemic times, it would have been about 14 or 16. Well, we didn't cut down on the amount of food we cooked regardless. No, we so, do not. No. We, we cook, cook for it. we cook for 15 no matter who shows yeah. up. It's like the field <laughs> of dreams kind of theory that we follow. If we build it, they will come. If we cook it, they probably won't come. <laughs> <laughs> if we cook it, they'll eat it, right? No. Wrong. That's okay. They don't know what they're missing. <laughs> Maybe it's if they cook it, Mr. Lockwood will eat it. Well, that's That's more that's like what it. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So this is our very first December episode, and uh, I... Ever of all time. Ever of all time. Yeah. Because we're newbies. hmm I happen to love Christmas. Uh, Mr. Lockwood is not so much a Christmas person. I like Christmas. Mm, you like to scrooge up Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you like to grumble around the house. Well, I just like to grumble, you know. Yeah. You got your mug that says Bah Humbug Mm -hmm. because it's the only Christmas mug I could buy him that he will use. (laughs) How's the coffee taste out of that mug? (laughs) Bitter and black. Bitter? Yeah. Yeah. Bitter is the perfect description for that. (laughs) And you. (laughs) Would you like to hear a story? (laughs) Yes, I would like to hear a story. You would? I want to get fired up. You're already fired up. You're already animated. Today we're going to be talking about the Warminster thing, a UFO, a hoax, or a tourist trap. Neat. Mm-hmm. And today we're taking a trip not only back to 1964, but also across the pond to Warminster, England. Yay. So I have a picture pulled up for you of Warminster, England, just so you have an idea where it is. You know, that's actually... I don't believe too far from where a few of my relatives are from. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Where are they from? Back in the mid-1700s. Yeah. Welsh. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you got. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, fair Maybe enough. Maybe I should look it up. Yeah. I think the Welsh is just south of London. The Welsh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welshy? I'm not sure it's the Welsh. The Welshites? But I'll give you a minute to check into it. The people of Welsh? Yeah. Oh, it's Wales. I guess that's where the Welsh people are. Okay. So. Yeah, so it's not uh, that far. I mean, yeah. it's a little ways away, but it's not super far. Yeah. Certainly closer than Scotland. Yep. Where the other of my peoples are from. That's right. Lockwood does sound very hoity-toity. <laughs> yeah, Scottish aren't too hoity-toity. <laughs> no, you got a weird mix. <laughs> it's it's the Scottish part of me that gets along with uh, Buck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the heathen part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are heathens. <laughs> so I'm going to give you just a little bit of information on Warminster here so you have an idea. The time of our story, Warminster had a population of about 10,000. In 1964? Mm-hmm. Between 1937 and 1965, military presence was significant in the form of camps, barracks, an infantry school, and vehicle repair workshops. The town is surrounded by six hills providing security and having a river. It is a great place for farmland and pastures. In addition, Warminster is approximately 15 miles from Stonehenge. Oh. Yeah. But there. like, is that significant in any way or is it just a Could fun be. fact? Could be. I mean, it's... These are the kinds of useful facts that I like to know. Well, as, as the story progresses, I mean, maybe you'll link up mm, some okay. kind of connection. Mm. Who knows? Who knows what you'll do? You mean Stonehenge, the interdimensional gate? Yeah. Now, now the you're Stargate. Thinking. Now you're thinking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Portals. It's like a mud gate. <laughs> it's a time tunnel. Is what it is. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> a mud gate. Yeah. yeah it's just, just like old rocks piled up. I mean, it's neat, but. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. The mud gate. <laughs> the Stargate. That was like, like before a... the aliens discovered, like you know, clean energy. They had Stonehenge, the mud gate. Right. <laughs> They pop out and they're like, what is this shit? <laughs> Why did we build this yeah, here? Everything's grungy and gross and, <laughs> and like semi-dangerous. Sometimes you go in and you just never come out anywhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you go in and you come out and you're just stuck. Yeah. You're just knee deep in mud. Like you land in the center ready to transport away and nothing happens. The little green guy has to get out, kick one of the stone heads, ah, and then back boy. in, and then it works. Mud gates down again. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna have to reset it. <laughs> get me off this godforsaken planet, Harold, quick. I'm tired of this place. Maybe we should try turning it off and on again. The hairless monkeys are really annoying me today. <laughs> the hairless monkeys. Warminster also boasts a library, a museum, a theater, and a number of pubs. Now that you have some details of the town, I'd like to take you back to 1964, Christmas morning, at 1.25 a.m. You know I had to work Christmas in here somehow. That's when Santa comes. At least that's when he came to my house. I don't know about you. What time did he come to your house? 1.25. Yeah, it's usually yeah, after mine was midnight. A little, yeah, one-ish. Well, yeah, because they had to make sure you were asleep. But how could he be at my house and your house at the same time? You still believe in a Santa, minor buddy? discrepancy. 
I mean, it would have taken him at least three minutes to get to your house from my house when we were kids. By way of sleigh? Yeah. Yeah, depending on how fast the reindeer fly. By way of demonic space creature, also (laughs) known as reindeer. Demonic reindeer. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Oh, they leave some demonic poos in the yard. (laughs) (laughs) They leave a little present for you. That's what Stonehenge runs on. Oh, demonic reindeer poop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have to burn it. Oh, gross. For energy. It's like black matter. (laughs) Is that what it's called? Black matter? Dark matter. Dark matter. (laughs) It's like dark matter. This is known as brown matter. Brown matter. That the reindeer (laughs) leave behind. Brown matter. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. Christmas morning at 1.25 a.m. A woman named Mildred Head was sleeping comfortably in her bed when she woke to an alarming sound. Upon first hearing it, she described it as, quote, twigs scratching on the roof. There also seemed to be a low humming noise. As she laid there and listened, the sound became more extreme and began to sound like giant hailstones were crashing down. Thinking there was a storm, she got out of bed and went to the window where she saw nothing. It was a dry night, no rain, no hail, and Mildred saw nothing unusual. As she returned to bed, she noticed that the strange humming sound got louder and then seemed to fade into a quiet, almost faint whistling. Mildred Head? Mildred Head. Really? Yes. This is not made up? No. Because it was in a newspaper somewhere? Well... I mean, we'll get there. (laughs) I actually watched a video documentary about this whole thing, and they interviewed these people. Mm -hmm. So I actually saw these people telling their accounts. But yeah, Mildred Head was a real person. Always with the hum, the shaking, Mm -hmm. this brought the thought to mind of advanced gravity control, which is what all you know, high-speed space travel would have to be, or even like flying saucers and everything. That's all gravity control. Completely silent and undetectable, I think. It would have to be because there's so much energy involved in, in generating gravity yeah. that if it's not perfectly efficient, it either wouldn't work or disaster would occur. Or it would make a terrible yeah. humming sound. Or, a t- or more like a terrible like explosion earth sound. shattering, <laughs> like actually blowing earth in half explosion. Right. This is way over 100 million watts of power we're talking about. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. So, like, why is it always shaky? Maybe it is local people doing it, you know? That's, like, their first version of it. It's carbureted gravity control instead of, like, fuel injected. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's the 60s. It is the 60s. All right. Well, let me read you another account. All right? So, later that morning, about 6 a.m., a woman named Marjorie Bai was up early walking. She was headed to a church service when she began to hear a crackling sound. She claimed that the sound was coming from one of the hills surrounding the town, called Bell Hill. She continued to walk towards the church, and as she did, she suddenly felt weak. There was an immense vibration and pressure that pushed on her head, neck, and shoulders, making her feel pinned down and unable to walk. She would later call this a sonic attack. Oh, boy. (laughs) My, my, how things have not changed. Nope. 
I hate it when I'm sonically attacked. Now it's called Havana syndrome right now. <laughs> Wait, what? Have you even heard of Havana syndrome? No. They call it Havana syndrome because it's mostly happened in Cuba, but it's been happening all around the earth. A lot of, I don't know, American dignitaries have been supposedly attacked by a sonic weapon of some kind or another that causes various forms of illness. I've heard of that. I didn't know it was called, what did you call it? Havana syndrome. Havana syndrome. No, Mm -hmm. I've never heard it called that, but I know what you're talking about. But I think now it's actually like officially acknowledged by the USG. So yeah, still don't know what it is though. So we officially don't know what it is. We officially don't know (laughs) what it is. But it's still being investigated. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I would think if you were this woman, it would be a concerning experience to have. Mm-hmm. Or God said, I don't want you to come to church today. <laughs> Stop I mean, walking towards the church. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse will do. Right. <laughs> well, I guess I'll turn around and go home. <laughs> no church for me today. So at about the same time, soldiers at one of the nearby army base camps heard what they described as, quote, a huge chimney stack from the main block being ripped from the rooftop and then scattered across the whole camp. At 6.30 a.m., a gentleman by the name of Roger Rump was... No way. <laughs> this is made up. No, it's This not. is all made up. It's not. These are all recorded. Roger Rump? Roger Rump. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Just going to have to suspend disbelief, I guess. Yeah, you're just going to have to roll with the rump. (laughs) Uh, Roger was just waking up when he and his wife were startled out of bed by what sounded like, quote, the 5,000 tiles on our roof being ripped off and then put back on again with an enormous clatter. With this racket, there was also a high-pitched whining sound. It turns out that on Christmas Day, more than 30 people would report such similar sounds, and there to take their reports was a man by the name of Arthur Shuttlewood. Please tell me he's a policeman. And there is a picture of Arthur Shuttlewood. No, he is not a policeman. MI6? Would you like to hear about him? In a second. Okay. I think just want to guess? I think anyone (laughs) from Kansas could tell these people what's going on. From Kansas, mm-hmm. like the band. No, the state of, oh. of the country of the U.S. <laughs> Do tell. Dorothy could tell them what's going on. It's a tornado. Oh, you think it was a tornado? Yeah. Wow, oh, with the sound. Yep. Yeah, that is true. I've heard. I, I like a freight I, train. It sounds like a freight train coming right at you. Sounds like a freight train, but this, you yourself have heard these, haven't this is you? A high, in person, this is a high pitched whining. No, I've never been in a train. Very fast wind has very high pitched whining sounds too, mm-hmm. and it will make it sound like your roof's being ripped it off. Definitely will make that sound. That is a good and good will point. rip things off your roof actually. Yeah, and I mean, there's not necessarily rain with a tornado either, so it could be dry. Right. Yeah. Is that and, true? Yeah, I mean, it's just the weather conditions are right. Here's the thing. We've all heard the story of the the frogs raining in England somewhere, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a story like every town has. I don't think so. I think that's a real deal. Because a a tornado picked them up somewhere. So there are tornadoes in in the UK. Uh, Let's look that up. Right now? Yeah. 
Just so that we can, you know, give the facts. Well, here's a great article from 2019. 1221. Christmas tornado hits Surrey, United Kingdom. Oh. Mic drop. Yeah. You, you solved it. Maybe. How come you always solve it like 15 minutes in? Do I? <laughs> I think you do. Now let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about this spook. Okay. Uh, so Arthur Shuttlewood worked for the local newspaper called the Westminster Journal as a reporter and editor. Oh, he's a dick. What? What do they call? What was the slang term for like a, a reporter? Like no, in the sixties. That's a detective. No. Yeah, not a well, reporter. Well, that's a private dick. Well, yeah. <laughs> a regular old dick. I like to keep my dicks private. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they called journalists that. I think it was just report or um, detectives. Yeah. Yeah. Nice try, though. (laughs) (laughs) I think you just wanted to say dick. (laughs) He had been a journalist. I got to work dick and rump into the same sentence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or at least the same paragraph. Uh, He had been a journalist for about 20 years at this point. After spending a few weeks collecting various accounts from the locals, Shuttlewood wrote an article in mid-January 1965, the title of which was Bell Hill Mystery, Weird Noises on Christmas Morning. Hmm. Unfortunately, the article was put on the back page of the paper and was used as filler. He's definitely an English-looking guy. Yeah, he is. So, I mean, he worked at the paper for a long time, and these people on Christmas morning, they ended up, you know, reporting these, and Mm -hmm. he caught wind of a couple of them, so went and just collected them for the next month, and then wrote an article that never got seen, Yeah, or he thought never got seen. I wish we lived in a time where when you don't have anyone to tell, you just tell the local newspaper. Right. (laughs) They'll listen. Well, yeah. They need filler. (laughs) But that's always a trope in movies where the newspaper won't listen. They're like, we just need you to publish this story. We got to get it out there. And they're like, nah, nah, kid. You don't know what you're talking about. We got more important things to put in the paper. And then the happy ending of the story is like the picture of the the thing that the protagonist wanted to get published, blowing the conspiracy wide open or whatever. How many movies have ended that way? Oh, my God. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's this guy. With the spinning paper. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Lots of copies flying yeah. off the flying yeah. off the production <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, that's the radio transferring mm-hmm. the information. The information. Yeah. Well, they're reading it straight from the paper. <laughs> Those papers get printed to go to the radio station so they can just read the paper to you. Now that that kind of story goes right to the spam filter now. Oh, yeah. Of it everyone. goes right to my junk files. Yeah. In my like inbox. for every person in the world. Yeah. It's just like. Yeah. You can get your story out there, but it's going to go right to the spam folder. The best part is I can check them all off at once and hit delete (laughs) and just do a mass clean out. (laughs) Luckily, many people did end up reading the article and began to write into the paper with their own similar experiences on Christmas morning. Arthur Shuttlewood then started the task of compiling a file of reports. For the next year, the Warminster Journal was flooded with reports of everything from strange sounds to metallic orbs. 
Nearly all of the reports included some kind of whizzing or booming sounds. I think the British, it's kind of funny. They they sort of like share our love and desire for alien encounters. It mm-hmm. seems like, you know, the UFO phenomenon, as far as I know, is embraced. Is, it's more of a 1950s and 40s kind of that's when it came into being an accepted cultural thing but what that means that it would kind of when the bandwagon started yeah when it entered kind of popular culture that means that the american version and the british version have evolved independently over time right right because two different countries even though we kind of share some cultural roots so, like, the British version of UFO descriptions always makes me laugh because they sound funny. Uh, like, whirring and banging. Whizzing. Whizzing. I mean, whizzing means something different to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Roger Rump. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It has a little tenor that's like, just a, I don't know. It's always like, it's more innocent sounding, too. Yes. Yes. I think the British are a little more open-minded about their alien encounters than we are. I think, I think we're a little are, more sinister here. Um, Malintent associated with the description. You mean as far as deceiving people or the aliens doing something bad? That the aliens bad? are like doing bad things oh. against your will or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So you think that the British are like, come on down. We'll have a cup of tea. I think they're just not assuming the intention as much. Okay. I don't know what their feelings of actual like being visited are but well do you think that that means that they're just looking at it more scientifically and less assuming that something terrible is going to happen i think yeah i think that's what that the difference in language sort of implies i don't know if that's actually true but to me it sort of implies that they're a little less doom and gloom yeah 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 it's possible i I mean i see that that's my thought yeah in february 1965 A whole flock of birds suddenly died in midair and then plummeted to the ground. So there's a kind of storm. I think it's called a supercell. Mm -hmm. This is for flying aviation. You want to stay away from those if you're in a small plane especially, especially an open cockpit with no oxygen kind of plane. So if you get caught in a supercell, you can go. This is very well documented. I'm not making this up. You can go from a thousand feet off the ground where like someone in an ultralight or something would fly around to 30,000 feet in a matter of minutes, Okay. which is very, very fast. And you get drafted upwards. And at that height, you will freeze to death and not be able to breathe. What does this have to do with the birds? That's how the birds got frozen. They didn't freeze. They just well, dropped dead while yeah, they were Yeah, that's flying. how they dropped dead. They got sucked into a supercell, sent up to 30-some thousand feet where they can't breathe anymore. They die, and they fall out of the sky. Really? Yeah. Like A the, flock of them. This is your theory, or you know this? This is my theory. This has happened. It happens. Okay. I like it. It happens I mean, to airplane pilots. I like that you have an explanation for that, because I, when I read it, when I wrote it, I was like, hmm. I don't know if he has an explanation for this one. It has happened to airplane pilots. Really? Oh, yeah. Suck up a whole flock of birds? And... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, pilots have been sucked up and oh. killed. That's weird. By supercells. Whoa. Now I should look up and make sure I have the term right. Yeah, do that. Let's see. So normally pilots, especially like glider pilots and stuff, 
which England has quite a history of glider flight. They like their gliders. Mm -hmm. Normally, you want to catch a thermal. A thermal is the air rising up. Okay. Right? Like over open fields sometimes or places, and you can actually gain altitude in an unpowered aircraft, which is what birds do. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's why they circle. It's a lift. Like big birds of prey and stuff. They're circling. In the airstream, Yeah, they're basically getting free lift so they don't have to flap their wings and they can just stay up forever all day. Nice. That's what they do. They're conserving energy. But yeah, yep, it's a supercell. Nice. Yeah, so there's a form of thermal that is beyond normal thermal that can actually suck you up into the upper atmosphere in a very rapid fashion. Well, I didn't doubt you on this point or anything that has to do with airplanes uh, because <laughs> your father does a lot yeah, of he's stuff a, with he's it. He's very quite the enthusiast. Yeah. He's, yeah. So you kind of grew up around him. He flies like what? Ultralights. Ultralights, glide, airplanes. Gliders? Gyrocopter. Does he have a gyrocopter? Gyrocopters. He's a yeah. barn stormer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know yeah. a little bit about. Oh, yeah. He's got a runway. Airplanes. He owns a runway. He owns a runway. His own personal runway. He built his own runway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. There's a little trivia for you. Well, I like I like that theory on the birds because I wasn't like I couldn't come up with anything. I'm like, how do yeah. how does a flock of well, birds just drop Well, it is possible. Is dead? all I'm saying. Okay. It could be aliens too. I'm not it saying it's not, but there yeah. is a natural explanation. You think a that possible the uh, birds got into the flight path of the UFO and the UFO just struck them dead? Possibly. Yeah. Or maybe just for fun. Oh, that's not nice. Lightning bolt of death. I think that's what we would do, right? We'd go to another planet. It's and, what and, you would do. And immediately kill Esther, all of the. Uh, especially if they were moth shaped. Wow. Big and. Not moth shaped. Uh, Laser-headed, I don't know what that thing was. You know, the monster I'm talking about. The, <laughs> the one that you want to kill with just Vietnam on site. Monster. No, yeah. I don't. I the don't. friendly monster. I don't. No, I was going to use it as a trap to <laughs> to get the, lure the other ones in. So I guess these are both, to me, they're weather-related phenomenon. And supercells and tornadoes, I think, could probably go together because you've got extreme temperature variations that are yeah. creating extreme air currents sure yeah and i mean what if what about like a tornado that just doesn't touch down completely could that mess up a flock of birds oh yeah like if it comes down a little ways I would think. sucks the birds up yeah. and then they just like get launched out of the yeah. sky and the interesting thing is tornadoes are invisible unless they have junk in the in the right like unless they're picking up dirt and soil and stuff right so so yeah that's interesting and i would think too uh you know, geologically, the area that we're talking about, Warminster, is surrounded by hills. Mm-hmm. So they're like in a valley. I think it would make yeah, more sense know. for yeah. a tornado to touch down in a valley. I suppose, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what what it needs. Yeah, I don't you know, know what it needs either. Birds. <laughs> it needs bird power. I know power. it needs air. <laughs> it needs bird power. It needs warm air and cold air. <laughs> Brown matter. <laughs> Brown matter. <laughs> That would be a really disgusting tornado. <laughs> Brown matter tornadoes. Hitting the pig farm. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, did Alice tell you to bring up the pigs? <laughs> yeah. Of course there had to be pigs in this. She would be proud. <laughs> At least they're not eating humans. In March, three families reported that there had been a loud noise coming from directly above their houses. Their windows and walls shook violently. 
Some reports were that of an object in the sky and even one claiming that their car would not work after seeing one of these objects. And then, of course, there were claims that animals were acting oddly during all the sightings. Most of the occurrences happened in the area of two of the surrounding hills, Cradle Hill and Clay Hill. These hills happen to be located nearest to the military base. Hmm. I like how all the hills in England have names. Yeah, they name all their hills. Like, we have hills around here. Yeah. What's the name of that one? <laughs> no one knows. Nope. There is no name. That's, there are, the hills are not named here. That's the hill to the east. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> east hill. You know we that shall big hill on road such and such? Oh, yeah. That's it. That's its name. Next to Interstate 62. Yeah. They don't call <laughs> right. it like Jean's Landing or something, you know? <laughs> Jean's <They're>, Landing. <laughs> Randy's Nub. Something's Cross. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, this is a picture. Of one of the hills. Uh, farming. That's yeah. not even a hill. It's a. It's like a slope. It's, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call these like massive hills. I was thinking like really like big uh, It's probably hills. a little bit more of a hill than it looks like in that picture, but still, yeah, it's not I a huge hill. Yeah, I think the angle is messing with how deep it is. So that is kind of the lay of the land there, that picture. First of all, it's very open. Yes. All around. The hill is grass covered essentially or, yes. or kind of, you know, wheat or crop. It's a farmland. There's a stand of trees in the middle of it on the top. Yeah, it's like a little island of trees. There could be a lot of wind activity around there. Sure. Yeah. 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 There's Mm -hmm. a lot of different elevations going on. So I'm poisoning the well with my preconceptions. (laughs) Well, I showed you the picture so you could preconceive a size. Aliens would be cool, though. Okay. Well, let's keep going. Or government UFO experimentologists. All right. Well, we're getting there. So from from June 1965. I'm getting animated. (laughs) You are animated. From June of 1965, the number of encounters increased significantly. On June 3rd, 1965, in a town near Warminster called Hatesbury, a family reported seeing a huge cigar-shaped object in the sky. Their account was later corroborated by more than a dozen people. There's your cigar-shaped object. (laughs) Classic description. (laughs) Oh, you saw a UFO? Was it cigar-shaped or was it (laughs) saucer-shaped? Yeah. (laughs) Did it have bright lights? (laughs) Were they blinding? (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. How about that? Uh, How about that description? On June 19th, another account was given by a woman claiming that she had seen, quote, a shiny thing going along sideways in the sky from left to right. It glided over quite slowly. It had portal-type windows that ran along the whole length of it. To my eye, it was the size of a whole bedroom wall, enormous. These windows were lit up the color of yellow flames in a coal fire. It was very much like a train carriage with rounded ends to it. I don't often think of... A scale in terms of bedroom walls or train carriages well that i can get yeah yeah, yeah. like the size of a train yeah. car yeah it's like how big is that mountain well it's about twenty three thousand bedroom walls <laughs> yeah well and i mean that's the thing <laughs> with like a train car those are roughly the same size most of them you I, know yeah i would they're yeah they're but 50 depending foot long on your bedroom 
That yeah, wall could so be strange. a vastly different size. I didn't know size. that was a standard kind of thing. Measurement? Yeah. Maybe in England. Yeah. Maybe it's a standard. That's one bedroom wall. In England, it's bedroom walls. How big is the bedroom? Oh, it's a it's a three bedroom wall window or like bedroom. <laughs> Here, it's in wides, single wide, double wide, <laughs> modular. How big is your bedroom? It's a double wide. It's a double wide. Yeah, <laughs> I got me. That, a... That's how we differ from the English a little bit. I saw that saucer. Yeah. It was about the length mm-hmm. of a double wide. <laughs> Two double wides end to end. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we're different. <laughs> um, so another account was that of Rachel Atwell. She was married to a Royal Air Force pilot. Rachel awoke at 3.45 a.m. on August 10th by a loud droning sound. The room was shaking as Rachel went to the window and saw an object about 600 feet in the air above one of the nearby hills. She said, quote, It was a bright object like a massive star. It was definitely domed on top and was huge in size and an unwinking light of uncanny brilliance <laughs> it did See, not there's another british like description <laughs> yeah. it's unwinking she said it's so nice sounding I know. it's so pleasant like in america it'd be like it was death flashing at me yeah <laughs> it seemed aggressive <laughs> The way it moved was <laughs> ominous. Ultra intense yeah. UV laser flashing. Yeah. Oh, look at that pretty light. It looks yeah. like a star. It was as big as a bedroom yeah, wall. Yeah, it was winking. Yeah, it was winking a at winking me. winking star. It made me feel happy inside. <laughs> <laughs> so she continues to say that it, it did not frighten me, but the awful noise it made did. The sight of it didn't frighten her, but the sound did. Like screaming children? Is yeah. that what it sounds like? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a squealing pig. Yeah. Pigs. Space think, pigs. Think, think of like, you know, we've all heard a little girl like scream. Oh, you know? high pitch. Like imagine that just continuously in the sky. Right. Just, you're just looking at it and it's just screaming at you. Like you're the like, most annoying sound. Stop. The most annoying sound yeah. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she continues that the noise was most upsetting to me. I felt there was a tight band of steel around my forehead, a pounding and a hammering at my eardrums. It's interesting to me that a lot of these accounts have this sound that go with them. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's described as a humming. Was that the first lady, the very first lady? Maybe. Not Marjorie Head. <laughs> it was, the was it Ronald Rump or Marjorie or, Head? Or Mildred Head, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mildred Head. <laughs> Ronald Rump. His name is Roger, I think. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or was it Cheryl Handy? <laughs> Head Rump and Handy. <laughs> Sounds like a good night to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> um, so this lasted for about a half an hour before the noise stopped and the object was gone. So I I don't know. I just think that the accompanying sound is interesting because usually when people see UFOs, they're like, it was completely silent. That's what I would expect, actually, if it was real advanced technology. It would be silent. Right. But so did they say the sound proceeded or stopped before they saw it? Um, It said that 
It was a half an hour before the noise stopped and the object was gone. So I think they simultaneously okay. it stopped and then was gone. Okay. So the craft seems Makes to be actually noise. making the noise, right? I mean, if they made that kind of noise, there would be a lot more people, especially nowadays, you know? Well, there was a ton the of cell people phones reporting everywhere. this. Yeah. Right. They didn't have cell phones then. So. But now, either the UFOs have gotten quiet so right. their technology has advanced sufficiently in the last 50 years. Maybe after all this yeah. publicity, they yeah. were like, shit, we got quiet like, this down. To go from bridging the interstellar distances, they've advanced so much in the last 50 years that now they do it quietly. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That also coincides with our ability to record everything and save it forever. Right. They were like, shit, these people are What a clinky dink. Yeah. We better make this yeah. quiet. Yeah. We better sneak in stealthy-like. <laughs> Well, I have some more good descriptions for you. I have a lot of accounts for you. That same night, there were reports of a red ball of light that seemed to charge at one person while driving. A oh, ball lightning now? A red ball of light. But it charged at a driver's okay. car. I don't know if ball lightning can do that. Oh. Another one of an army major whose car had stopped dead while traveling at 40 miles an hour. He claims there was a vibration and a pressure from above the car and a sound that sounded like a thousand noisy fridges humming. Mm -hmm. So 60 hertz. That's the the electrical hum that everyone thinks of. Well, Mm -hmm. and I think in England it would be 50 hertz, if I'm not mistaken. But a a thousand of those. A lot of Europe runs at 50 hertz instead of 60. Yeah. But it's a similar hum. A thousand of them. Yeah. That'd be pretty loud. I don't know if you've ever walked near a substation, which is where the electricity comes into like a major building or factory or an even higher voltage. They all have the hum. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. Does it sound like a thousand noisy fridges? That's what our version of electricity sounds like. Right. It's just because That's what we think it's of. alternating current and it's vibrating right. everything just so a little bit do at you that think, frequency. Do you think his description is accurate? What? A thousand noisy fridges. Sure. Okay. So less than a month later, on August 17th, residents of a small neighborhood ran outside to see, quote, a monstrous orange flame in the sky, crackling and hissing. This was after they had heard a deafening boom that shook their houses. At this point, the stories of UFOs and mysterious sounds had begun to spread, and thousands of curious visitors started flocking to Warminster. Each is hopeful as the next to witness this phenomenon, some coming from as far as the United States. It was said that the boom of people visiting nearly doubled the town's population. Well, that's good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people were coming from as far as the United States to check this out and in the hopes to see. How disappointing would it be? You make this trip across the country, across <laughs> yeah. the ocean. Right. Or even if you're like coming from Europe, you know, you're, you're traveling over from somewhere, Southeast Europe, you know, Romania or something. Yeah. And you get there and you're just staring in the sky at a a very picturesque, but very plain Pretty. place it and looks, just waiting. Honestly, that, that picture there of that hill looks a lot like Ohio. Yeah, it is very similar. Yeah. Farmland, mm-hmm. trees. Yeah. 
Yeah, it would be disappointing. It would be disappointing. If you didn't uh, see anything. But according to people at this time in 1965, it was just crazy stuff happening all the time. Hmm. So noises, lights, sounds. The locals became concerned that the encounters could be a threat. So on August 27th, 1965... Where did they get that feeling? Was it from all the killing that was happening around there? Yeah, nothing was happening. <laughs> it's from all the sounds, all the pressure. Oh, loud sounds. All oh. the pressure. Yeah, pressure. Yeah. Um, so on August 27th, 1965, there was a public meeting held in the town hall. You know what would be neat is to get the minutes from that meeting. Yeah. Yeah, we would like to hear it. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of info on that. So here is a newspaper article, a picture of it from the... Um, Mm-hmm. Just kind of telling about the hall, town hall meeting. The thing. Yes. Over 500 people showed up for the meeting. There were, of course, national reporters there, and the meeting turned into more of an hour-long event for residents to relay their own sighting stories. Mm-hmm. So then you're, you got, this is the perfect, <laughs> the perfect storm, if you will, yes. for getting the bullshit flying. Oh, yeah. Stirring the I pot. mean, like, no one with any sense that actually saw something is going to be like, oh, yeah, I saw this thing. And, of course, when you actually see something, the real details are usually quite sparse. Right. Right? When you're being very honest, this sort of goes along with, like, uh, you know, eyewitness reports. A, a good eyewitness report has very few details, but right. they're right. The ones that have many, many, many details, yeah. horse shit is what that's <laughs> called. Or they're like ridiculously good at observing they're not no No one is that's the thing even a trained observer yeah they never come away with lots of details they just have the important details that's what a trained observer does because no one has the capacity to photographically memorize the 33 intricate details of something when they're looking at it for three seconds but they are capable of embellishing they certainly are (laughs) they certainly are i'm with you Especially in front of an audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a live town hall mm-hmm. audience. Or a whole entire world audience. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of a lot of countries were looking at them mm-hmm. at this point. Eyes were on them. My guess so, is the town council would refer to this as a shit show. Yeah, it, it didn't turn out well. And let me, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit more. So at one point, the town council chairman was given a telegram that read, quote, investigations completed. Invasion fears are unfounded. Signed, Doctor Who. <laughs> After which it ended up becoming somewhat of a show of ridiculousness. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so the town hall meeting did not go well. I, be- I imagine it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine getting a telegram like that in the middle of something you thought was going to help like dissuade people's fears of alien invasion and then some jackass sends a telegram signed Doctor Who. That's kind of great. Like I kind of wish we knew who sent the telegram. I wonder if that that was where maybe the Doctor Who, you know, show was that's what inspired it maybe. You know, because I'm sure this was well before anyone ever thought of Doctor Who. No, I think the Do- story. Doctor Who started in the 60s. Oh, uh-huh. okay. but this was 65. I know for sure he was around in the 70s. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Maybe this is like, you know, some BBC writer found this humorous, and yeah, they were like, 
came up, well, what are we going to call this guy that you, you know, he's pitching it. And they're all like, oh, I don't know. What are we going to call it? And he's like, how about Doctor Who? Who? <laughs> yeah, I don't you know. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was hilarious when I read it. Uh, to keep moving forward with the reports of 1965. Another report was that of a 23-year-old factory worker named Gordon Faulkner. Now that um, is an English name. Yes. Uh, he attempted to photograph a UFO on August 29th. According to him, quote, As it flew fast and low over the south of the town, I could just make out the unusual shape. It made no noise. Hurriedly, I got my camera free and pointed it at the aircraft, but the line of flight was too fast to follow. I held the camera well in front of it and pressed the trigger as it entered the viewfinder. I did not dream I would get anything on the film at all, and I was amazed when I saw what came out. Oh, I want to see it. Yeah, I got it for you here. You ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, that one. Yeah, I think everybody's seen this picture. Yeah. Um, now, his story is is believable. The way he tells his, this is how I got this thing on camera. Like, yeah. It is very believable. And that he totally thought there was no way that this was going to yeah. show up on film. That doesn't mean he's not lying. I'm just saying right. it's very believable. I personally think that if this thing was moving like he said it was, um, you know, just looking at this picture, I actually think that. This picture should be blurrier. There should be more of just a... It completely depends on the, on the camera. environmental conditions of the day. Yeah. If it was really bright, no matter yeah. how fast it was going, you probably would have got it. Isn't that terrible that I actually think this picture is too good to be real? <laughs> like, it's too good of a picture, especially for 1965. I don't know. I mean, it's grainy, but the actual ship itself is, well, we don't is know crisp. How many times... How good of a scan it was How of that many photo. Times or... it was copied. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's still, it's a I don't know. There's a fuzzy shape. Uh, I see it like coming yeah. up from uh-huh. the, yeah, from the bottom left corner. It certainly could be a cloud. It's almost like a dark shadow. It looks like a hand. Yeah. It looks like an <laughs> arm holding up like a spark plug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. A spark plug with a washer on it. Yeah. I, I kind of. <laughs> I not really, but kind of. <laughs> listen, you know, I want to believe. This I want is to a believe UFO. it too. Yeah, actually, I just I want. Yeah, I I don't want it to be a spark plug, <laughs> but I mean, to me, um, from what I understand about physics, the idea that you can control gravity, perfectly, perfectly viable. Yeah, like I already know how to do it right now. You put enough weight somewhere. And you got gravity. Right. That's how planets and stars and moons and work and everything. But we also know that energy is mass. It's equivalent, thanks to, you know, Mr. Einstein. So if you could put enough energy somewhere, you can get gravity. So gravity control is possible. But no one's really working on it that hard. And if you really wanted to get people to work on it hard, convince them that there's aliens that are observing us and we don't know what for. And right. we better get our shit together, like, right now. Right. You better fast yeah. track that. Like, if you want world peace and scientific advancement at an extremely rapid pace, what you need is a world threat from right. outside. Right. You yeah. know, all humans will get along, like, 
real nice when they think that some alien civilization is out there. That's how you fix that problem. The aliens are coming. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to believe. Yeah. I'm not. I, I, I know I'm very yeah. skeptic. Well, and I, I sound like someone that likes to bah humbug everything. Here's the thing. It's but, not that we don't believe that there isn't something else out there. There has to be. I mean. Oh, yeah, I do for sure. Obviously, there's just, other other life in the universe. That would just be silly. It's not cliche, to think so. but it's law of large numbers. Right. It just applies in right. this situation. But do I believe that this object in this picture is what someone is claiming it to be? Yeah. <sighs> I want to say yes, but I feel like in my heart it's a no. <laughs> but I will post this picture up on our Facebook page, and uh, when you guys see it, let us know what yeah. you th- let us know what you think of what this picture. What would be nice is if someone out there had an extremely high quality scan of it. Yeah, you know something better than this really yeah. blurry. It's not even blurry; it's just really granulated. It's, it's pixelated. Yeah, it's very, very. I, mean, I don't know. I know 35 millimeter film has very, very good resolution, but it looks, it was probably a little tiny little spot in the photo. Yes, that's been blown blown up. up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because there's no way he zoomed in that far. Or, well, probably wouldn't be possible with a standard kind of run of the mill camera. No. But I mean, in general, as far as UFO photos go, any of them, it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. It's, it's, you can see something. It's not just like, oh, that speck over there to the left in the sky. You know, it is a shape. It looks like something. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with it as far as that's concerned, but uh, there's things about it that I'm, that seem a little. It's just so you, the problem is it's the the story fits all other that I'm aware of alien stories, which is there's always so much plausible deniability and and it's the eagerness of the listener is what determines how real it is. Right. That's the problem. That's what makes it non-scientific in a nutshell. Well, show's over. (laughs) (laughs) I've plausibly denied this. It's time to go home. (laughs) Tell me more, Esther. I want to know more. Okay. So. Uh, Still being somewhat of a skeptic, Shuttlewood gave Faulkner's picture of the UFO to the Daily Mirror, a national tabloid. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, a very reputable. Yes, highly reputable. (laughs) Even to this day, a reputable institution. Oh, yeah, going strong. (laughs) (laughs) I've Um, never seen Britney Spears' body parts on the Daily Mirror before. No? No. Have you? Sure you have. <laughs> no, but it's I'm not looking mirror. for Britney Spears body parts in magazines. So <laughs> I was just using an example, but I'm pretty oh. sure that's a real one. Oh, maybe. I, I yeah. have no idea. Yeah, they get the they get the candid photos. I'm glad she's free, but I, do, I haven't really <laughs> well, followed her career. That was an old time. That was years and years ago that yeah. that happened, but yeah, I'm glad she's free too. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. We hope she's free yeah. anyway. Anyway, uh, I don't know how Britney Spears got worked into this Christmas alien episode. Because of the but... Daily Mirror. Okay, Daily That's Mirror. That's why. All right. Sorry, folks. Sorry about the that. The Daily Mirror is amazing. Yeah. I'm sure if you're listening the to National this, you're not, really, you're not you know. really concerned about Britney Spears. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe about her Maybe. body parts. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was then printed in the paper on September 10th. 1965. So Shuttlewood wrote the article that accompanied the photograph because of course he did. And then Gate got the daily to publish it? Publish it, yeah. Okay. So he used the photo of Faulkner's and then he wrote an article and sent it to the daily. See, Mayor. this is sort of the, 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 yeah, 
the shit show incentive theory still holds here. This guy's just feeding into it and and profiting from it. Yeah, we're gonna get into. I mean, that that's, in a he's a reporter. While. That's his job. Right. That's what they do. Yeah. You know. See a UFO, report a UFO. Well, yeah. You got a story. That's how you make money. Well, yeah. On the afternoon of September twenty eighth, nineteen sixty five, Arthur himself had a sighting that would turn him from a curious collector of stories into a firm believer in the unknown. How about that? How about that? We're progressing the plot here, <laughs> moving the plot along. <laughs> it's your favorite thing to do. Aw, he didn't like it. <laughs> he agrees. Yes. He's like, move this oh, plot really along. Agrees. He really wants to move it along. Once for yes, two for no. What's nothing What mean? does silence mean? I don't know. Is he dead? <laughs> I think he's he's moved beyond this. He's tired of this now. Oh. <laughs> he gave his two, his two cents. That's oh. it. That's all you get. Poor pup. He's sort of grumpy, you know? Yeah, well, he's not used to this early morning stuff either. <laughs> he's like, why aren't we still laying in bed? <laughs> this late morning like, yeah. behavior, he's not used to yeah. this. I'm going to be honest. It's like noon right now. <laughs> so Shuttlewood had been at home that afternoon and had glanced out of his window when he noticed an enormous cigar-shaped craft, quote, gliding along. A gentle giant in the sky. <laughs> Look, it's Ron Jeremy in the sky. <laughs> I, I said gentle giant, and you thought of Ron yeah, Jeremy? Yeah, he's a gentle giant. Oh, you know what I mean. my Lord. <laughs> Why are there so many things in this story now that don't pertain? Because you, because these names these have been chosen to hide the innocent and the guilty alike, apparently. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if recording in the morning's awesome or not. It might I'm be fresh. Yeah. <laughs> You're real fresh. I got fresh coffee and I'm fresh. You're uh you're very animated. I'm animated now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe morning recording is a thing. I've reached the brown matter quotient. <laughs> Ready for takeoff, sir. Oh my god. No. No brown matter in the morning. It's too early for brown matter. Oh, this is liquid brown matter. Oh, that's even grosser. Coffee. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I think you forgot what we were... I have not forgotten. Okay. <laughs> You're just disgusting. <laughs> um. So he tried to film the object, but recounted that, quote... <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yeah. You see what had happened was... <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, The thing had destroyed the film in the camera. Uh-huh. And his watch had stopped along with Uh-huh. And his watch had stopped along with causing his hand and arm to have the sensation of pins and needles. Mm. 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 So he was hundreds of meters, if not thousands of meters, which would be one or two kilometers away from this thing. And it had the wherewithal to know he was filming it. Yes. A possible yes sufficiently advanced civilization could easily tell things like this probably they would have superior optical scanning and recognition software yes on their no doubt digital computers and or quantum also computers decided that it did not like his watch and then it had a a way to send a focused beam of multiple frequencies mind you one that would disable a mechanical watch i would assume and also biologically affect him. 
and also a wavelength that would destroy film, which would be like x-rays, by right. the way. And then they would pins and needle tingle his hands yes. that are holding the camera, but not literally centimeters away. We are in England, after all. Centimeters away from this camera and watch that he's having disabled yeah. is, a, is a nice British way of putting it. Not melting his brain. Right. Nope. They were careful not to melt his brain. Although... Uh, that's quite... That is some advanced stuff there. Let me tell you. This kind of energy manipulation, I have no doubt and whatsoever in my mind that it's completely possible. It can happen. Yeah. I have no idea how you would do it. I would love to spend a lot of my time and money figuring it out, but I think I need a lot more than I have to do that right now. Yeah. But at the same time... You need to start working Sundays. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time, the fact that these demonstrations of energy manipulation always conveniently fit the story so well and always, you know, like when someone's telling you a story, you're always thinking up in your head like, okay, where's this going? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's what we do. That's what humans do. It's what makes watching a movie fun. You know, and then the twists and the turns, that's what makes it more fun. It's not. I always right? call it a twist. Yeah, you do. But that's <laughs> Within just because, the first 20 that's minutes, because I the people the that write movies now are children. Right. But not, not because a story, you know, yeah. a good story would still provide that to you. Yeah. So these stories are very carefully crafted so that when the listener is ready to ask, the, then what happened? Then was it this or that? They always have the exact answer that psychologically answers the listener's question internally, thus right. stifling that line of reasoning that would lead to doubt right. and steering them into, come down this rabbit hole a little right. further with me. One more rung down. And like to your point about his brain not being melted, that then the listener then skips skims over that part, yeah. you know, because they're so like, oh, no, the film and and they're exactly. so caught up in what was already happening mm-hmm. that they don't even think about what should have mm-hmm. been happening. It's a slight of mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you'd call it. I, I think carefully crafted yeah. was a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Get it? Crafted. <laughs> But, you know, I, I certainly, as much as it annoys me that this happens over and over with these stories, the respect I have for the writer is high because I don't think I could do it. No. Yeah. So this is clearly a skilled person. Sure. And got paid for it, too, I would hope. I mean, I think Arthur you know, was doing okay. <laughs> probably made a couple hundred bucks from the sun for the story. Well, I like after better part of a year after reporting on all these other people's um, you know, sightings and stuff. It took him until what was it, August, September. So it took Arthur until September to have his own mm-hmm. UFO sighting. Well, you know, you know, got to keep the story alive. Yeah, I don't know. So, you don't know what was going on then. Uh, the collective experience of the area in 1965 was therefore referred to as the Warminster thing. So it's so. <laughs> It's such, it's a, such a, it's so bland. It's just, yeah, it's like. It's like, what do we call this? I don't know. It's a thing. It's just a thing that's It's subtle. Happening. Let's say that. It is it's subtle. a subtle name. Yeah. It's not so American. Hyped. Like, giant, just in your face. Like, we would have called this the Warminster Invasion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. or like, I don't know. Like, 
I don't know. Alien apocalypse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're like, I don't know. It's just a thing. The melting of Warminster or like, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. Attack in Warminster. Yeah. 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 Nope. This was just a thing. <laughs> yeah. The Warminster invasion. It, it does feel more laid back. Yeah. It is laid back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I funny. think it, it, it enables a more casual reader and possibly one that wouldn't be in, you know, because the type of people that are into this stuff here around us, they're right. all hardcore. Well, and if they, like see the hardcore. Word, if they see the word UFO, yeah. like they're in. But a lot of people, if they saw the word UFO, would be turned off yeah. by that. But if you just call it the Warminster thing, you, yeah. you immediately mm-hmm. have to start reading it mm-hmm. to know. And then by the time you realize that mm-hmm. it's about UFOs, you're kind of like already in. Another history lesson for yeah. people. If you're a writer or a journalist or something, if you're listening to this, they're not. take heed. <laughs> Some of these things in these older stories the approaches even little things like that mm-hmm. you know maybe it's old timey and a little funny but some of the strategies they use are work very very work. well yeah. and people have forgotten and don't use them anymore could set you above right. if you paid a little attention to this kind of stuff i it's smart yeah it's real smart after a while local farmers began to notice crop circles in their fields crop circles what I mean, is this like the... Here's the crop okay. circle. Yeah, I'll let you... That's <laughs> That looks like a tractor drove through a field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the caption under this crop circle that isn't a circle, it's a straight line. It says, two 50-foot long furrows... <laughs> what? ...lying parallel to each other in the cornfield <laughs> at Cradle Hill. Never seen one of those before anywhere. Uh, it looks like a tractor that's, drove through yeah, the field. Yeah. And this comes out of an old book. It's black and white. Oh, I was hoping um, it'd be a real crop circle. Well, so the documentary that I watched on this, they, they in the documentary, they did show some circles. So what the circles mm-hmm. looked like was a large circle in the center that, where it was all pushed down and then another ring kind of around the outside of that circle. <sighs> I mean, I've seen but, tons and tons of pictures of but crop circles. They were like not perfectly circle. They were a little bit like oh. I don't. Well, know. Well, that was at the beginning of the art form, right. right? Yeah. I mean, I've seen some really amazing crop circles. So before. here's here's my problem with crop circles is, and they are kind of a British thing, aren't they? Okay, so. The crop circle thing. Now, this this is something that Shuttlewood and other people going there were uh, just completely amazed by these. And then there were other people who went and looked at these and were like, this is nothing. Um, sure. So it was pretty split, and especially this picture that was just like long parallel lines. So, so let me get this straight. The people with a vested interest in this being interesting yes we're amazed by it yes <laughs> and the people that didn't give a shit weren't correct <laughs> that's strange i never you would expect that right <laughs> so um yeah this uh, this is a picture and it was one of like five or six that i found of something that they were calling interesting now it doesn't say you know I, it's it's not a circle. It's really bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrible. It's it, like it literally looks like somebody drove so a vehicle dumb. through a field. Yeah. It's clearly just like a path that a tractor takes every once a season. Right. Like it's not worn in where no. there's just mud, but it's like. Right. He you went. Know, he went to the other end to check something yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. He got done like Came back. you know harvesting all the stuff on this side of the field and had to go back. So that's the path he took. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. So the ones with the circles, like I said, they weren't. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't find photographs I mean, of them, were these which seems weird. Circles but... that were just related to the story that you were looking up. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, it, it was in a documentary about the Warminster okay. thing. I, I guess how I felt about it was. Along with becoming quieter, the aliens must have decided that they had to step up their crop circle making skills because <laughs> this was a very basic, very just a circle. And it wasn't even like perfectly round or anything. I think that the crop circles that we see and I grew up seeing um, are always very precise. They're they're um, astrologically well, precise. Yeah. They're mathematically precise. Yeah. They're location precise. Well, the ones um, that we saw, those are like the best examples of crop circles, sure, right? Sure, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of them. Yeah, most of them are in England too. And I find it they? hard. I find it hard to believe. See, crop circles are interesting for me because I find it hard to believe that those really, really precise ones that line up astrologically with something or that are mathematically like... Why do you find that hard to believe? No, I find it hard to believe that some people with, you know, rope and a board went out there and did that in the middle of the night. Why do you feel that way? I feel like it would be hard to do in the dark. Without anyone seeing. Like, well, that's why the first crop circles are ignored and annoying. It's an art like anything else and a science. And it progresses. They got better at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't they got know, so though. good at it that they could put one in in just a matter of hours. But see, there's, I don't know. Exactly right. Well, I, I feel like there are crop circles that do have physical anomalies happening. And then there are, are crop circles where whatever the crop is that they're stomping down, they're just broken. That's possible. But you're talking about, oh, they're bent. They're not. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're like, like biologically altered in some way. Don't know enough about wheat to say that's, one way or another. That's where I struggle. And neither with, do you. That's where I struggle with crop circles. Yeah. Yeah. How did people on boats get places that were thousands, if not multi-thousands of miles away from them successfully? Over and over and over again. They knew how to navigate. They knew how to look at stars. They understood trigonometry. They understood the sunstone. They understood that the earth was round. These things, they knew this stuff. That's how it worked. Like, that's how they were able to successfully do it. It wasn't, and it was chance too. Again, the olden times, people were way smarter than people think. And clever, I guess, is the oh, word. Oh, you know? I agree. I like, wouldn't mean like generally smart, they yeah. were wide breadth, but they were very clever about important things to them. Well, yeah. I mean, there are so many things that I read about that people had done way back when that I think even with our technology today would be risky, but they did it repeatedly. Yeah. Well, know? that's because they it wasn't risky. They understood, they understood the problem it. and they, right. they mastered it. Yeah. I yeah. think we've lost a lot of that. I think we've yeah, lost we a lot of we understanding. Haven't. We have and we haven't. Certain things. It's both true and not true. Crop circle people, they know how to read stars. They know math. They know how to use a string and a stick. And they know how to create relationships, geometric, even though they're large. And I mean, that's kind of the fun of it is yeah. that, you know, you take three or four people, they map this thing out, they decide how they're going to construct it, they go onto the field, and without being able to see, and usually picking one reference point that is a center, they're able to construct this thing. It's not like an artist drawing, you know, where, oh, you draw a little bit and you look, oh, that looks right. You draw a little more, that looks right. 
this is like a pre-planned algorithmic machine that they build in their heads that they, you know, they go out there in the middle of the night, they can't see that well, and they have this procedure that they follow that when completed creates this perfect image crop circle and it's really neat so like that's a really really neat art form it is it's really neat would you say though that most people who hoax crop circles or that do them are probably smarter than the average bear they would be they would be very smart very intelligent yeah and they would have advanced like aliens application (laughs) mathematical knowledge not that smart what if they're alien hybrid humans no so maybe they're the ones doing the crop circles or communicating. I don't think they are. I think they're artists. Have I gone too they're far? They're smart artists that know math and have access to twine and <laughs> board sticks. <laughs> sticks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We got to keep moving. All and right. they have tape measures. Yes. And math equations. Yeah. Yeah. Smart people. The sighting reports continued for the next year, although mostly dissipating around June of 1966. By this point, Warminster had become somewhat of a hotspot for UFO researchers and enthusiasts. Tourism was booming, and shops started playing into the hype, selling themed merchandise. And, you know, one more comment on this. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I can shit on these stories but at the same time, if you think about like what you just described, how much tourism and, yeah. you know, the benefit of this story to the people to of that area mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. And I think overall it's a positive thing, even though I like to shit on it. I mean, right? every town's got to have their it's thing. It's benefited right? so many lives, probably far more than it's hurt at all. How could this even really have hurt anyone? Well, it hurt the birds that fell out well, of the sky. The Dad. birds were victims. The birds were injured in the making yeah. of the story. Yeah, but they probably would have. They probably died anyway. Yeah, that's a they mass just, act of God. They just uh, happened to fall into the the realm of yeah. the UFO yeah. story. Yeah, they got sucked in. <laughs> sucked into the story. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I. Did watch, like I said, a documentary where there were where there was even one guy that opened a bed and breakfast revolving around tours and even meals named after local anomalies. <laughs> so that guy, he knew what was up. Like the handy omelet and the, the rump pancake. No. <laughs> the head sausage. <laughs> Uh, with your cup of brown matter coffee. <laughs> oh, we're gross. <laughs> the Ron Jeremy hot dog. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> too far. You've gone too far. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit more about Arthur Shuttlewood. Arthur Shuttlewood would go on to write a few books on the events of Warminster starting on that Christmas day in 1964. Whoa, when you zoomed in on that crop line, it all of a sudden became more interesting to me. Did it? Yeah. No, it didn't. I, I saw it. No, you didn't. I saw the alien signature. Did you? When you zoomed in. Was there a little alien like And then when up you zoomed back out, field? I was like, oh, no, it's gone. Yeah, sorry. It's just, yeah. yeah. He signed his name on the bottom. So due to the fractal nature of the puzzle, once you get to the right zoom, it makes sense. <laughs> okay. And then when you, any other zoom, yeah. it doesn't work. I think you decoded it. That must be what Arthur saw. Decoded. Yeah. This is a a picture of one of the books that Arthur wrote. 
side note here, all of the pictures in the newspaper and Shuttlewood's books are the picture that Gordon Faulkner had taken. So only one good picture came out mm-hmm. of this, and it's used on, like, everything. everything. <laughs> yes. Hey, man. Whatever gets the... Whatever gets the job done. Right, right. So Arthur seems to seems to come out pretty okay on this. And he, he wrote, like I looked up, somewhere from like 8 to 11 books Good total. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any final thoughts before we get into theories? Um, clearly this story benefited the area and some other people, like Arthur Shuttlewood. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate and the, and the b&b guy <laughs> that you take yeah and the b&b guy like he did good the arthur shuttlewood obviously has some some technical skills and some some knowledge mm-hmm. and he used it on the Warminster mystery instead yeah. of something that i don't know might have been a little more you know he saw a lane know. and he went down yeah, the lane. yeah he did and that's yeah. good you, you know everyone has to do that but at the same time it's like i don't know i always wish more for people when they're talented or or especially yeah. hardworking and and have skills yeah you could make the money on the ufo but maybe you could make the money on i don't know yeah it's just yeah i'm just being i'm i'm wrong are you nitpicking i'm nitpicking i'm wrong but you know what you're saying is that maybe arthur could have done something more actually beneficial yeah to but people. you know what again at the same time he did benefit an entire city of yeah. thousands of people, which is that is nothing to sneeze at in no. any way, shape, no. or form. I'd be curious to know too. With even you know, helping one person is amazing, right? Yeah. So, so let me tell you that I did look up his books because you know that I love the Fringe mm-hmm. books and uh, the one book of Arthur's. There are many that are I would I would consider within affordable range. But this one in particular, the Warminster Mystery, Astounding UFO Sightings, is like well beyond crazy. It's Collectible, like, huh? It's like $250. Oh, nice. well, yeah. So there you go. All right. So I stand corrected. I'm putting that out there again. This is yeah. right up there with the uh, Philip Phenomenon book. Well, you can't tell people how much it's worth and then say, hey, why don't you send me it <laughs> for yes, free? But I'm giving you an alternative too. You buy it, photocopy it. Send me the photocopy. Oh, you just want the text. I just want the text. I just want the, to I'm read sure the book. I'm sure we can find that on some of the darker corners of the internet for you. Well, you can't just say that. It's true. <laughs> All right. I don't want to go to your dark corners. <laughs> well, you. I wouldn't recommend you come with me, but I'll so get it for somebody you. Somebody find this book at a yard sale. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get into theories. Uh, I am going to start out theories. Whose theories that you just found randomly on the well, internet? that I thought of because... Oh, that you thought of. These are your well, theories. Well, these are possible theories, yes, that I thought of. Well, they're your theories. That's okay. You can have some theories. Well, I mean, they're not... Yeah, they're theories. Okay. Oh, my All God. Right. I'm just asking. Okay. I'm so, asking. So now we're going to get into theories. Uh, the first theory that I have to present to you is the military. The military base, being so close by, does tend to raise an eyebrow. Many military personnel were questioned about the sounds and the sightings and denied knowing anything about it. That seems right, right? If they did know, wouldn't they deny it? Either way, they'd deny it, right? You know what the captain likes to hear about the most? 
Nothing. Is how <laughs> private Joe Hot Dog <laughs> is talking to the press about shit. That's not what the captain wants no. to hear about. No. The, the captain will shut that down right yeah. now. And that's regardless of anyone knows anything about anything. Yeah. If in yeah. in in the documentary that I watched, um, they on film had a guy who worked for the the military on the other side of the hill, right there, close to town, and they were asking him, "Hey, you know what? What's up with the sound? What? How did these crop circles appear? Are your guys like landing helicopters? <laughs> like what's going on?" And this guy was kind of walking around with him, and he's like, "No, everybody has to go through me to get to this." This area that we, you know, train in and there's no way that something happened that I didn't know about. But all I could think the whole time was that they sent that the military picked this guy specifically as their PR guy to say, I don't know anything. It certainly could be possible. You know, that's how I felt about it when I watched it. Yeah. Like they were just like, you, you're good. You're a good speaker. You're a good communicator. You go out there and you you say we know nothing. I mean, official policy about all this stuff in both England and the U.S. and I'm sure many other countries is deny any no knowledge whatsoever. Right. Of course. If if they know something, they're going to deny it. If they don't know something, they're going to deny if it. If you don't know something, you really want to deny it because it's really right. easy to make you look dumb later when it's found than when anything. Right. Truth-wise, is found out. I'm not saying just with UFOs, but with more real, normal things right. of stupidity. Yeah, I mean, so they're and government they're, mixed. They're not. They're obviously not going to come right out and tell reporters. No, about this. Um, so for me, testing is a huge possibility. Um, if there weren't a military installation right next to the town, I'd be like. Mm. UFOs for sure. <laughs> yeah, but you have a military installation right next to here where we live. Right. Do you suspect UFOs or I, just airplanes and helicopters? If I saw one, I would definitely take into consideration that it had something to do with military. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking you is with the military base that close to the town and all that weird stuff happening, doesn't your mind immediately go to, well... No. No? The standard military base is not involved in any way with high-tech stuff. Most of what a military base is is hardware, A, yeah. people, B, and books on how to maintain that hardware, C. Okay. And that's what they do. And then there's radios attached to that to tell those yeah. people what to do from remote far away. That's what a military base is, essentially. This military base specifically had uh, camps, barracks, an infantry school, and a vehicle repair workshop. Yeah, that's a military base. Yeah. Could there be cloak and dagger things going on a base? Yeah. Right. That's just what they're saying uh, they're yeah. doing oh, there. Oh, right. Is it yeah. just a cover? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... <laughs> It sounds suspicious to me. <laughs> I mean, the vast majority of effort, money, time is spent on maintaining equipment and learning how to operate the equipment when the radio turns on and tells you yeah. to operate it. And by all that's what a military is. By all accounts, during the documentary, that's what it seemed like. It seemed like they um, rented or used some of the fields from the people to run drills with their like um, vehicles yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, I, I just think that the that's military... That's called maintaining readiness. Well, I just think that the military easily could have had something to do with the fields looking a mess. Well, for or, sure. You know, yeah. like that, that 
crop line we just looked at, that could have just been like a tank. No, just that through. wasn't a tank. Well, it could have been some other vehicle. Yeah. You know, it was a vehicle for sure. Well, a tank would have made it all look like goop. It would have just smashed it flat. Right. Unless UFOs has, have turned into looking like pickup trucks, I don't think that it was a UFO I landing mean, spot. Military base, you say, oh, it's a military base. Are we talking about, you know, Groom Lake Air Force Base? Or are we talking about the, you know, National Guard post down the street that's like a garage, a command center, I mean, and like two trucks? That's kind of what this know? sounds like. It sounds like they did some training because there were like yeah. big fields Yeah, so it was probably a decent-sized base. Yeah, I would say it was yeah. medium size. I don't think it was yeah. tiny, but I don't think it was enormous either. Because, I mean, I'm not opposed to like... Oh, there's UFO stuff going out in the middle of Nevada. That's perfectly sure. possible. It is possible. Like, that's the kind of place you'd do that. Yeah. Right? For sure. But you wouldn't do it right in the middle of Warminster, UK, in a farm field next to a town of 10,000. Why would you pick that? I'm just saying. You know? With the proximity of the military. But I, I mean. Know. Some of the things could be attributed to them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And the like, other thing is, is, you know. Britain is a small island, but easily the most wealthy and powerful nation in the world, especially in the 60s. I mean, rivaling the power of the United States. Right. Right? This little tiny island. So they do have the resources to do alien spacecraft work. And they also have the resources to go somewhere where no one will see them. And they also have the resources to deny it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess we're we're nowhere with that theory. Well, okay. Can't I can't refute it. All right. Can't refute you it. You want to move on to the next one? Yes. Okay. So my next theory is that it was a hoax. The whole thing. It was a <laughs> hoax. All of it. I only found one website with any information about a possible hoax, but it's pretty compelling. Really? Mm-hmm. In 1967, so about a year and a half after all of the bulk of the Warminster sightings and all of that stuff happened, a schoolboy found what looked like a four-foot-long saucer-shaped object in a nearby field. Why would it be thrown out in a field? Here's a picture of it. Oh, my gosh. That's it. (laughs) It is it. Go back. (laughs) Go back to what? Go back. Ah, that one's got a big dent in the top. Yeah. Mm. Depends on the way the light's shining on it. <laughs> ah, that one's a little dented, yeah. too. So let me let me tell you a little more about it, as you're saying, because there's more pictures, okay? I have more than just this one. Um, so it was found in a town. It was found in a town named Clevedon, about 40 miles north of Warminster. Okay. Okay. It was reported and experts were called in to examine it. So there's a picture of It's flat on top. Uh, No, I think they cut off the top part of it, that dome part. So So it's solid? These are the experts examining it. It looks like a metal shell with concrete on the inside of it. So let me tell you what they found. It was dissected, and inside they found two batteries, a speaker, and a transmitter. It was one of five objects found in the area. So they found five of these around. But okay. the boy that found this one, it was the first one that they found. So that's supposedly the stuff inside of it? Yes, the speaker, a transmitter, and Yeah, but two why batteries. is it? It looks like it's solid filled. I don't know Unless that it's it is. Unless it's foam. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably a piece of aircraft. Anyway. You think? Yeah. Oh. All right, well, let me continue. I have another picture. 
It was found to be the work of two men who were apprentices at the Royal Aircraft Establishment. In this picture, they can be seen showing the molds that they used to make the UFOs out of fiberglass. Okay. According to the men, they were made as a hoax by the pair and four other men. All right. But this doesn't explain the experiences that happened in 64, 65, and 66, um, because these guys did this in 67 after the Warminster sightings. So it's sightings. an unrelated incident. Could be, but it is interesting, um, and, and maybe done because of the reports yeah. in Warminster. Um, but, I mean, this the similarity, if you're trying to make it look similar to the picture. Yeah, but they could have easily took, made it look identical. Why didn't they? Well, maybe they were, maybe it would have been too on the nose, no, Mr. No, you would want to make it right on the nose. You would? Yeah, if you're, especially if you're trolling. Trolling. Yeah. Especially if you're extraterrestrial that's called bait yeah anyway i thought that that was interesting because it's in a town nearby yeah and these two just happen to be making this so i mean i'd say that's proof that they hoaxed this incident because they're holding the molds for the fiberglass yeah it's like who knows what they're really up to why would they put a radio in it and, and you don't speakers. know. Well, they were trying to. Was it just trash they found? They're they like, were oh, trying... this is a speaker and this is a radio and we'll shove it in there for fun. Well, or was it actually like. They were trying to have it make noise, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were tra- having trying to have it emit yeah, so it's just the a prank. sound. Right. But the way they did it, I mean, it looks similar to the picture and they were trying to have it make noise. It seemed like they were trying yeah. to replicate that experience. But if you had any artist and you're like, make me a flying saucer, they're all going to look generally like that. Well, I made right? one. Yeah. It looks like that. It looks like that. Yeah. It looks I mean, like it's that. Just, it's a saucer with a dome yeah. on top and little legs. But the fact that it looks so clearly different than the right. picture means to me that it was not a hoax of that incident. Right. The incident that we're talking about. But I think that it was inspired by. Well, okay. I don't think it's related at all. Okay. All right. Well, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. And this is the only one account of this that I yeah. can find. So Maybe I, they were trying to start up a new one with well, this is, would be my... They're not referring to the old one. They're trying to start a new one. They yeah. got everyone primed. They want to get it going. Yeah. You know? That could be. The proximity to Warminster, the proximity and time to Warminster's uh, experiences, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and as far as hoaxes go, like that, that's a pretty elaborate one. You know, that's yeah. pretty good. But <laughs> so, these guys make stuff. <clears throat> yeah. They, they're fabricators, clearly. I mean, Bet you that picture was in a newspaper somewhere. They're in a workshop. Well, yeah, they're clearly showing how they probably got they a lot of work it. after that. They probably did. Yeah. Advertising. Let's do this thing so we can get some press. Yeah, I mean, how many times have, you're an artist? How many times have you heard artists go, "You know, it would be fun," and then they make something. Oh, and, oh I, that was fun. I do that all the like, time. Like, <laughs> is there any like intent behind it, um, other than just doing it? No, my intent is Usually. never to trick people into thinking something. But if you did, and you got a newspaper article, would you go, "Oh, no, no, no"? I can't. Oh, no. It would be hilarious. Yeah. Of yeah, course you'd it'd do it. It would be super funny. Yeah. I don't think you need any malintent behind no. any of it. And I don't think there was any. Yeah. I think that they were just, you know, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to make a Warminster thing? And they just made this and put speakers in it. And, yeah. It sounds know. like it didn't work. Yeah. But they made five of them. Yeah. <laughs> were they remote control flying these things? I don't think so. No. That would be cool if they were. Anyway. All right. So on to the next one. This is our last one. I'm glad you have another one because the first two were like, 
not that impressive to me. <laughs> well, I had to go with the military, obviously, yeah. and I had to go with a hoax. So our next one is, is UFOs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Could at least a handful of these accounts be true? I think that the most likely ones to be true were the ones Christmas morning. Because they all happened at once and before there was any media spreading them around. Simultaneous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's definitely a good point. Right. And as much as we have no real evidence to prove these UFOs are real, there's also no evidence proving that they're fake. Well, and the nice thing is, is it's before the incentive is understood by the storytellers. Right. And that's why I like the Christmas morning one. So I, I'm wondering if, you know, the ones that were on Christmas morning or within days of Christmas morning before it really caught wind. Yeah. If those were maybe really, really did happen. Those to these were people. metrological phenomenon that I think really happened. Yes. But I don't think like by metrological, you mean like the tornado or the. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is I think. And even in the way that you cleverly told the story, the flying object did not become associated with this phenomena until later. Right. The sound was was the first thing. The sound and the blowing wind and the dead birds were the only things that actually were real, probably phenomena observed by real people in an honest manner. And so that brings up another good point that I just thought of is, you know... If you're going with uh, a meteorological thing or like a weather-related... I know. It's weather balloons. No, a weather-related thing. You know, these people are also, along with the sound and what seems to be some kind of strong wind making noises, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. what they also reported was um, feeling pressure, Mm -hmm. um, which makes sense to me if it's weather-related. Yeah. Yep. With around the tornadoes. I just thought of that. That makes a lot of sense to me. A lesson in how to turn something boring and mundane, yet a little bit out of the ordinary, into something extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yes. Yes. So, um, I mean, I think that that's probably the most plausible, that there was something that they were experiencing, and then it kind of took off, but it took off from those main first couple days or that main Christmas morning where everybody kind of all heard yeah, the same could thing. Be. Uh, another nice piece of research would be to see if the records of tornadoes around there, right? At that time. And is, well, yeah. and it's continuing because it probably would. Usually the cause of tornadoes and hurricanes is geographic. It's yeah. it's the lay of the land that right. creates the environment Well, and that's why I thought them being in almost like a valley surrounded yeah. by hills... But what I'm saying is if it's still going on, then you know for sure it was going on then. Right. Right? Yeah. And it probably would still be going on if yeah. it was going on then. Or even if it's something that's likely to happen in succession so many years apart. You mm. know, like yeah. this thing happens every so many years. I mean, that's like where we live. There are tornadoes around here. Yeah. A few a year in the area. Right. But they're usually not like destroying entire cities. They usually take out a home. Yeah. Like they'll touch down, take yes. out a home, a and then disappear. A single wide or a double wide, typically. <laughs> that tornado looks about but there like has been, three, yeah, three double wides like tall. There was a normal home around here that was taken out yes. like a decade ago or something. And um, I believe it actually resulted in a death, which was sad. Yeah. But it's not like sort of out in the flatter areas to the southwest right. of us 
where it really is like a yeah. thing. Tornado Tornadoes alley. all the time, yeah. you know, that are very huge and dangerous yeah. and destructive. So I feel like this spot in England could be kind of like us where there's the occasional tornado. Just touched down and yeah. maybe it was just like a freak thing. That Just the right weather, mm-hmm. you know, circumstances. Yeah. So what the hell do you think happens? What is your idea? You tell me yours or if you want me to tell you mine first i will well i'm gonna stick with my as built theory it's i think there was a tornado of some kind or some some supercell activity some updrafting possibly extreme amounts of it well beyond normal that was causing these initial reports yeah and then someone had the bright idea to associate the flying cigar (laughs) with it and bright lights and shining the gentle giant that is from there is the history that we all know that's what i think i like it i you know uh had i thought of weather anomalies i would have put that in theories that's a really good one i do like it a lot i think that explains quite a few of those initial um accounts all right so here's what i think the skeptic in me wants to say I think that one or a couple of people spotted some kind of military testing after which Arthur Shuttlewood caught wind of the ordeal and helped the frenzy along. Great for him and the newspaper, Mm -hmm. right? And the bed and breakfast. Right, and all the things that came from it. But my I want to believe side thinks that there were so many sightings uh, that something strange definitely seems to have been happening. And I think that in the end, for me, uh, there is just not enough photographs or hard evidence to really conclude what happened. So Mm -hmm. if anyone out there has a theory on this, let us know. We would love to hear what you think about this story. Or perhaps a photo. Yes. A good photo. Yes, if you have your own UFO photo, we would love to see that. You know what would be really cool is if someone, you know, listens to this story and they go, you know, my grandfather was, or my grandmother, she, you know, they were in England at that time in that area. Yeah. And they were, they fancied themselves quite the photographer. Yeah. You know, like she loved to take pictures of birds or something. And then all of a sudden there's this old photo. Of dead birds. And there's like. <laughs> you know, a UFO in it. And they're like, oh, my grandma always told me this story and I never believed it. Yeah. That would be the ultimate thing. All right. That would be super cool. Listeners, you heard it. Mr. Lockwood needs a photo that no one's ever seen. I want provenance. From Warminster of your grandmother's UFO experience. While she was taking pictures of canaries. (laughs) So she was bird watching. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I think that does it for our Christmas special. Merry Christmas, bonus, everyone. Bonus episode. Hope you have a good one. Yep. Happy and holidays, etc. Happy holidays. Yep. And uh, I hope you liked our story today. Sayonara. Did, did you enjoy it, Mr. Lockwood? I did. You did? Yeah. Oh, it was I, good. I don't usually like the UFO ones. I like but... these, yeah. Okay. All right. You want to say goodbye? Sayonara. Bye. Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories.
If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.